At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Kenzie? So I just want to ask you if you wouldn't mind retelling the story of that Christmas dinner. Okay, so my mother had bilateral foot surgery and was uh, bound to a wheelchair for a few weeks, and she happened to do it right over the holidays. So I offered um, for us to come up and do all the cooking for her. Um, I think she intentionally had her feet done right before the holidays because she didn't like cooking to begin with. <laughs> and it was probably about six months after she had uh, put a new kitchen in that was um, something that she'd wanted for like 20 years. So anyway, um, we all gathered in the kitchen and um, trying to juggle the different pots and pans on her stove that I wasn't really familiar with. And I went to take the big, huge pot of potatoes and dump it, all the liquid into the sink. I didn't see any pot holders, so I grabbed the nearest thing, which was um, a couple towels. And as I, as I lifted the pan to bring it over the sink, the towel accidentally hit the burner burst into flames and hit the front of her cabinet and melted the brand new <laughs> polyurethane. <laughs> what did she do? <laughs> she couldn't do really much because she was in the wheelchair <laughs> besides, besides scream. But um, to this day, this story comes back to haunt me every time we go up and she's making potatoes. That was my mom recounting Christmas dinner of 1995. It's funny now, but that's only because holiday disasters become funny once you survive them. It's only then, years later, after the varnish has been reapplied and your mother has been rightly banned from making the potatoes, that you realize they're not such a big deal. But really, it's crazy to expect things not to go wrong during the holidays. There are dozens of people to feed and only one oven. There are semi-lucid great uncles to make conversation with and exit strategies to form in case your mother shows up to Christmas morning, the one you brought your new boyfriend to in her full suit lobster pajamas. Of course the cabinets are going to melt or you're going to botch the main or your aunt will try to put a diaper on the turkey. This one's a true story, as you'll soon hear. It's not you, it's the holidays. And the truest holiday disasters are never the ones we remember on our own, at least right away. We repress them. 
which is why I had to call my mom to get the details on this one. And it's why the same thing happened time and time again when we asked you to share your worst holiday stories. Are you calling your mom? I don't even know how we salvaged it. Do you remember? Let this be a reminder that even if things truly take a turn for the worse, all hell has broken loose and you're out of wine and miles from the closest liquor store, you can still come back. And at the very least, this year's fails will become next year's dinner conversation. As they say, no fun stories when there's no disasters, so. I'm Kenzie Wilbur, this is Burnt Toast, and this week we're sharing some of the best and most tragically comic stories you've told us from holidays past. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. Somebody checked on the turkey and they realized that the oven was no longer warm. And we are like T-minus how many minutes till you're supposed to sit down? Well, all of the guests have arrived at this point, so it was like supposed to be happening in 20 to 30 minutes. But there was a Christmas I had at my dad's house one year when I was a teenager, and um, my aunt, Lucille, was there. She was going a little, I don't know how, I don't know what the proper word is to say, but she had like a bit of dementia, I guess. But she used to do the funniest things, and so I walked into the kitchen, and she was putting a, a dirty pamper on the turkey. And so she was like, I have to put this pamper on the turkey. And I was like, oh my God, you have to take that off right now. And so, yeah, she kind of ruined the turkey. Um, but we decided just to kind of pull it off and not tell anyone. So yeah, there was a dirty pamper on our turkey. Wait, so, so you took it off and then served it? No one served it. No one needed to know that. <laughs> just wipe it down. It's all. So wait, wait, were you there this year? No. No, he didn't know me then. Um, I was a teenager. Yeah, it was pretty hilarious. Are you going to now, like, check the food safety of all the turkeys you eat at her family's house? Yes. He didn't know this. Do you have holiday disaster stories? Yes, many. We, uh... First of all, why do you have so many? Because we're always attempting new things on the holiday, which I know is the, the rule not to follow, which is we attempted to make a lobster ravioli with radicchio and... Um, you know, grueling number of hours preparing the ravioli, the pasta, and then the filling and putting it all together only to put it in the pot, have it boil, and then all the filling to escape the lobster, the actual ravioli. So we scrambled. I don't even know how we salvaged it. Do you remember? It was so defeating. Did you call it something else? Uh, no. Did we attempt to call it a deconstructed lobster ravioli? <laughs> uh, we may have, we may have, but I don't know that it really flew. And my I think, grandpa uh, and my uncle had just finished sort of carving the turkey, and then my uncle, who's a troublemaker, pinched my grandpa's butt, and he sort of went, ah, with his wine glass, went up, hit the pot rack above our island, and um, shattered his wine glass all over the dark meat. So this year we actually gave both of them plastic wine glasses as their like punishment. Um, and you told them not to pinch each other's butts. Exactly, yeah, hands off. And I was um, 18 and my brother was turning 22 and he had invited all of his friends 
um, over to our house to have a dinner celebration, and he had requested that I make him miniature um, chocolate molten cakes. Because wait, wait, that's like a, like a very specific and like needy request on his part, I think. It's his birthday, and my brother really hates fruit desserts and also nuts, and he loves gooey chocolate. So in retrospect, it seems like a needy request, but it makes a lot of sense for him. So I um, made them very carefully. It was all I had to do for like three days. And as his, all of his friends are there waiting to eat them, and I flipped them out of the muffin tin in which they were made, and they totally didn't stay together. They fell out into a giant mushy puddle, and I burst into tears in front of a group of like 10 20-something-year-old men, and we still talk about it. Like, the time Sarah cried at Joseph's birthday when she tried to make molten chocolate cake, and I've never tried it again. And I never, I don't think I ever will. Even if you do make it out of the kitchen unscathed, these next stories remind us that there's always the actual dinner table, too. Like, there was a big plate of turkey, and we were all grabbing a piece of turkey, and I was like, oh, I want the turkey neck, because it just looked like something that I needed to have, sort of gnarly. It was, like, calling to me. It was, like, the special piece of turkey, but I have no idea how to eat a turkey neck, which is apparently a thing. And so the whole family, like, turned to me and was like, ah, you want the turkey neck? And I was like, ah, I don't know what I want. Like, I don't know any of you. I'm trying to be, like, sneaky and not, like, draw attention to myself. And everyone was like, do you know how to do the turkey neck? And I was like, I do. I was like, yes, yes, I know. I've done this. And then it was sort of quiet. And then I sort of held it in my hands, hardly. And then um, someone had to show me, which you like break it in half, then you like peel it like a mozzarella stick. That is extraordinarily <laughs> violent sounding. I didn't know that. You peel the skin off. It peels off these little, and they were all eating it like, like this. Wait, so I, how did you try to eat it before you were corrected? I just sort of held it hard and sort of like, I like brought out my knife and the dad like reached across the table and was like, no, no, you can't, you can't cut the turkey neck. That was the worst. Because I just felt really embarrassed. There was all this attention on me and I was flushed and they weren't letting me go like I'm doing right now. We're living it. I'm hot. And I didn't yet know that I was, I have a very bad reaction to drinking alcohol while eating shellfish. Um, and I threw up on a very notable author. <laughs> and there's around the tree or the menorah or wherever else you're heading to celebrate. You're still not safe. My family came over when we were about 30 years ago. From where? Vietnam. <laughs> so we had never experienced Christmas before and we came around the holidays at Christmas time and all these carolers came to our house and um, started singing to us and we didn't know what was going on so my parents really had us shut off all the lights <laughs> we shut the door did you hide we hide <laughs> we hid it was really embarrassing but anyway years later my brother lives in san francisco now and met someone at the bar actually and was like oh where are you from we we're like some sandwich massachusetts and a small town so it was like oh my god we were like the carolers <laughs> can't you house i know it was funny I, they were just talking about, like, you know, just because we're the only Asian in town in sandwiches on Cape Cod. It all matched up to the same house, so it was a little embarrassing. I was new to New York when the internet was, like, going crazy, and I was in digital, and I was definitely the cool member of my Cleveland family, and I wanted to prove it. And so I had two children, ages 
four and two, five and three. And um, I was going home to Cleveland, and I did all of the Santa Claus shopping on eToys, which was an internet startup. And I told my whole family, "Don't worry, it's I'm ship. You know, these this internet thing. They're going to ship it right to Cleveland." And my family was like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "It's all good. This is how you do it now. It's all done online." And then the days started ticking toward Christmas, and then I started calling eToys, and then I started emailing, and they kept reassuring me that everything was fine. And on the 23rd, I was flying in, and I talked to them that morning, and they said, when you arrive in Cleveland, we assure you it'll be there waiting. And it was, you know, dozens and dozens of toys. It was the entire Santa Claus collection. So I got to Cleveland, and there was nothing. And then they stopped answering the phone. And my family was like, do you want to go to Kmart? And then on Christmas Eve... They, again, I kept believing them because I didn't know what else to do. They said it would be a six o'clock delivery and then it didn't come. And so we jumped into high gear and they, we had tracked it and found out that it was in fact in Cleveland, Ohio. And so we started calling all the post offices. And at, I remember it because it was before midnight. It was like 11.53. Uh, we called the most local distribution place and a man was like, and I found like a phone number that wasn't publicly available by, probably wasn't Googling, by dogpiling or whatever it was. And um, I got like, hey, this is Walter. And I was like, hey, Walter, we've got a problem. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got a whole bunch of stuff here for you. And we were like, can we come get it? And Walter was like, yeah, sure. And so we piled in the car and drove to the post office. We got back from the post office at like 1 a.m. And then my brother-in-law and my sister and I stayed up all night wrapping presents. And then at about five o'clock in the morning, we were like, yeah, we should just stay up. And then the kids woke up and, and they were the worst wrap presents on earth. And then the next day we went back to the post office and brought whiskey for Walter. That's like uh, Nancy Drew saves Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was uh, At about 3 o'clock in the morning, we heard this crash, and our big tree fell on its side, and all the ornaments broke. <laughs> oh, I didn't have a menorah, and I was in college, and so I downloaded an app that had a menorah on it, and we used that. It also sings. I think I might still have it, actually. And it's like a bad Josh Groban singing <laughs> the Hanukkah prayer. So that's pretty good. <laughs> and this was my Hanukkah for four years. <laughs> yeah. I never invested. Did it become like a tradition? Ish. Ish. Ish became a tradition, but it was mostly like, oh shoot, it's Hanukkah. I have other options. In high school, I was the inventor of a sport known as extreme sledding, where you would sled down a ski slope after they closed at night. Um, this a is green, what. A blue, a black? I'm a black, often in black. Seems like a huge liability. So I went with a group of people, like the guy I had a crush on and actually his then girlfriend. And I was waiting at the top of the slope and she went down the last part. Or no, it wasn't even her. It was another person we were with went down the last part and we heard her go, ow. And we rushed down after her and she was like, I think I broke my leg. And we were like, you didn't break your leg. Like if you're breaking your leg, 
you would be crying right now and in tears. She's like, no, I think I broke my leg. And she lifted up her pant leg and you could see the bone sticking out of her leg. She was in a like full leg cast for months after it. Yeah. Did you, did you get the guy? <laughs> yes, I did. And honestly, sometimes everything goes wrong. The holiday becomes its own volcanic explosion, or one happens on the same day. I'll let Leslie explain that one, but I just want to point out that this is her third story. Her third. So whatever happens to you this year, remember, it could have been worse. Well, it all began on a flight to Guatemala, where... When we were in the airport, I believe that my dad was called away to work. It was on Christmas Eve. My dad was called away to work, so he couldn't join us. My mom and I flew to Guatemala. As soon as we got there, my aunt's dad died. So that side of the family had to go to a funeral in Miami. My cousin called, and he had broken all of his ribs in a jet skiing accident. And I think that was also the same year that another cousin cut off a toe playing playing chicken with a machete because that's the type of family that I come from. And then that same year, no one could rejoin us in Guatemala for the Christmas celebrations because there was one of the largest volcano explosions of all time in Guatemala that year. So no planes could come into the country. Is this real? This is all very true, yes. <laughs> and at the same time, my grandmother, who is a very elegant old woman, was determined to have Christmas dinner. And I was, I believe, eight years old, so I was determined to have presents at the same time. So I think what ended up happening was that we had, like, a Christmas dinner present celebration, like, six days after Christmas. I think in the middle of the night when our family arrived. <laughs> but it all came together. And that's it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Our producer is Tim Einenkel, and thanks also to Laura Mayer, Henry Malofsky, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show, and tell us your holiday stories. Our Twitter address is at food52, and you can email us at editors at food52.com. If you like the show, tell everyone you know, and subscribe to us on iTunes. For Lisa, Lauren, Ina, Mackenzie, Vernicia, Sarah, Amanda, Lynn, Jackie, Yosef, Rebecca, Bridget, and poor, poor Leslie. I'm Kenzie Wilbur, reminding you that if all else fails, shoot low. Because with low aspirations comes no responsibility. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Happy holidays, and thanks for listening. I want to record you for the podcast. You're what? I want to record you for the podcast. Oh, seriously? Well, I just want to add your story in. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> you little...